Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. I'm super glad you're here. This week on the podcast, we're looking at the message, Healing for the Walking Wounded. And I got the chance to sit down in the studio with Dr. Bill Kilgore. Uh, I'm Bill Kilgore. and uh, have been here at the university a little bit over 30 years, retired about three years ago, and doing some of the stuff you do in retirement. And Zoya Thompson. Well, hello everyone. My name is Zoya Thompson. Um, I am from the Bahamas. This is my second um, time here again. Um, I attend Southwestern Adventist University, um, and I am really excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with them. And let me tell you, this is one of the more touchy subjects and uh, maybe more challenging ones as we look at how we approach sexual ethics in our day-to-day lives. What does that look like for us in 2021? So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope it challenges uh, what you think, and we'd love to hear from you. If there's something that stuck out to you as you're listening to this episode, go ahead and uh, send us a voice message or a message on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Without further ado, let's dive into our look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Healing for the Walking Wounded. Um, well, the first thing that jumped out was, um, you know, the part that you explained that, you know, it's about living. Um, and, you know, God calls us to live a holy life more and more. Yeah. Um, and in the passage, it talks about how they were already holy, but, you know, God calls us to be holy more and it's really for him. So that really stood out to me mm. um, towards the beginning. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I mm-hmm. like that. There's a, there was kind of a challenge in this message, right? That the, it's yeah. not one that is maybe regularly preached or regularly welcomed in the church context. <laughs> it, it's kind of a, a call to, to live holy lives and to, to walk according to that. Yes. Um, and I like how you brought that out in the, the very beginning of the parapeteo. Yes. Uh, and, and, and Paul's, Paul's usage of that word. That's right. I think that that is um, a good reminder for me that it, it's important to think about the way that I walk influences how others see me and how, and how they see God. That's and right. that, that's a representation of God on this earth is me, how I walk and how I live my life. Right, right. I think, Pastor, uh, what you're doing with First Thessalonians is something that needs to be done with more books of the Bible, mm-hmm. the expository approach. Uh, as uh, I shared at the beginning of the sermon, when you do expository preaching, you don't get to choose your topics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just preach the next section. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have done that very well. I've set in and been listening to Elevate. And then you came up to First Thessalonians 4 and you handed it off to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, John Calvin, uh, the reformer, said it's one of the clearest theologies of sexuality anywhere in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like doing the expository preaching because... You get up to do a sermon like that and people thinking, uh-oh, what's going on in the church? Mm-hmm. Has he heard something? But no, Michael, I'm just doing the next section, right. Pastor, yeah. that yeah. you told me you want me to preach. Yeah. Now, if the hat fits, wear it, you know, but <laughs> but you're, you're not uh, got some type of motive. Yeah. You're preaching through the passage. Yeah. And I think if we're doing more of that in the Bible, yeah. we'd be touching a lot of very practical topics. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's amazing how the the Holy Spirit lines some of those things up. He does, you know, and to 
to, and that's that's my favorite way of preaching is to just go through scripture. Yes. Um, and Pastor James, our senior pastor here, does the same. He does. Just say, hey, let's pick up the book of the Bible and let's roll with it. Because sometimes we can we can come to scripture with this uh, pre- preconceived idea of what we want to get out of it. Yes. And we can read into scripture what it's not telling us. Mm-hmm. But to just take it chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and dissect and open up, then we're coming to the text and saying, okay, what do you have to offer to me today? Right. And what do you have to offer to our community? And I think the advantage of that is if, if somebody heard something maybe and uh, got a little upset about it, uh, I'm trying to come from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And so the person they really need to be talking to, I, I want them to respond to me, but if they heard a voice here in the passage, it may be God's voice yeah. mm-hmm. speaking. And that's where I want the dialogue to take place mm-hmm. is between them and the Word. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. You talked about the practicality. I think a lot of times um, conversations and sermons like this um, are very taboo. Um, a lot of times from the pulpit, you know, we don't touch like issues of sexuality, yes. and issues of um, certain topics that you discuss. And I like how, you know, like you said, the verse is what really brought out to light what sh- what we should be doing. Um, and I think as you went through your sermon, the Holy Spirit really showed up in a, in a mighty full way because it allowed, um, you know, if you were sitting there, he took you on a journey from, you know, you talked about ethics and you talked about worldview and it goes back to the living. It goes back to, okay, who are you living for? You know? And if your life is, is in the Christian worldview, then you should be following scripture. You should be following, you know, God. And by doing that, it determines how you should live and you know it, it goes into um the topics of sexuality and everything that um was, dis- was mm-hmm. discussed mm-hmm. well you know sometimes uh we think this is a topic we deal with with teenagers mm-hmm. or even with young adults you know this is elevate yeah yeah but i looked out in the audience pastor and there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of gray hairs out there just like mine <laughs> But that doesn't yeah. mean this passage doesn't have something to say right. to those who are married. Yeah. Yeah. Or one, I have a real burden that God does expect us to walk holy mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. Now, that's a teenager, that's a young adult. But, you know, there are some uh, folks at one time who had been married, had children, and maybe a, a spouse has left or died. And they've been left in a situation now is how do they walk worthy of God? They're they're human beings. They get lonely. But there are still some guidelines. And I love what Paul says. He says, there's some of you doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, when we talk about these topics, sometimes we think it's slapping a hand. Mm -hmm. Don't do that, you know. But Paul says, no, there are people who are walking holy. I need you to do more of it. Because there's people who are hurting Mm -hmm. that need to see. And to be honest with you, Probably all the folks at one time were hurting. This is Thessalonica. This mm-hmm. is first century Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, the standard of morality is really low. But here's a group of people who have taken God at his word. And he says, do that more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the, the uh, or, yeah, one of the biggest challenges that we face, um, I see it in media, on social media, is this kind of idea of, Oh, you know, God's going to, God has my back. He's going to save me. And I get to kind of choose and do whatever I want to do. And you can't tell me what my uh, sexuality should be. You can't tell me what my attraction should be, whatnot. 
And I think sometimes the conversation in Christianity gets too down into the weeds of gender identity and sexuality and everything else. Yeah. And, and Paul takes a, a bigger view of this and he says, it's important to recognize how you treat one another. Yes. Particularly in the area of sexuality. Yes, that's right. And and you know, the 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 LGBTQ plus community gets picked on a lot because there are particular lifestyles within that community that don't necessarily line up with scripture. Right. But I think we also we have to have a, a balanced approach in that, yeah, I might not struggle with homosexuality, I might not struggle with same sex attraction. But how am I ethically walking in my sexuality mm-hmm. as as a as a straight cisgendered exactly. male, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I that was eye opening to me in this message of it's God cares about how we treat one another and how we treat ourselves. Yes, mm-hmm. and there's this uh, kind of thought of if we have a particular desire that there's something in this world that can fill it. Yes. It would be very unfair if there weren't if we had a desire that can't be filled, right? right? And each and every one of us have a desire for intimacy, have a, a desire for connection. Right. Um, the the attraction that we have in our sexuality is not sinful of itself. God created that. That's right. But how we go about fulfilling that says a lot about what we think about God and what we think about others. And that's the context that he puts it in because when after he's talking about those who are walking in wholeness, he moves down and he says, it is God's will that you should be, this is verse three, should be sanctified and you should avoid uh, sexual immorality and that each one of you should learn to control his own body. Now, that's a passage that's translated in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. But really it does mean that you should know what God's intention is for your life because it says in a way that is holy and honorable. Yeah. Not in passionate lust. And I wanted to make that clear. There's a difference between lust and love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God, there's nothing wrong with being passionate. God wants us to be passionate. Yeah. But in lust, it's it's self-centered, mm-hmm. it's self-gratifying. It discards when it's done. Yeah. Yeah. Love is the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love nurtures and molds and shapes and, and bounds you for eternity to God and and to to others. And uh those two do not cohabitate together. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I run into that, and you probably pastor in counseling with couples, mm-hmm. that lust will always destroy love. Mm-hmm. You try to bring that into relationship to spice and things up, and it ends up being something selfish mm-hmm. that people feel uncomfortable with. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate what Paul is saying here. People who, it says, if you know God, you don't live that way. Yeah, I like that because God intended us to be one flesh. Yeah, he He wanted us to experience the intimacy that's His idea. Yeah, and yeah. I, I like that. Uh, that uh, God very much wants us to uh, be involved with others and and to express ourselves, but we have to be careful that it doesn't become self-centered. Yeah, and destructive. You know, I like how you said that because um, I was always taught that, you know, the devil always has a counterfeit. Yeah. And I feel like lust is really uh, a counterfeit for love because um, yeah. especially the younger generation, you know, you know, you may not 
see the correct representation of what love is but you know when you lust after someone it's like such a strong passionate feeling and you think that it's it's whole and you think that it's so good and a lot of times we wrap ourselves whether we're young or old we wrap ourselves inside of that and then we come to a point where it's like I, I'm feeling empty. I'm not feeling whole. Right. And mm-hmm. I think when pe- people get stuck in that, when it's like, you know, what do I do at that point? And mm-hmm. that can take you to, you know, different issues, whether it's pornography, whether it's treating um, your partner less than they should be, whether it's um, treating the opposite sex or the same sex in a cheapened way. But it's really viewing people in, in, a, in a cheapened, partial way. That's exactly yeah. right. And I think we're at a disadvantage within our our economy and our society because America thrives on consumerism. Mm. You know, anything and everything that you want, if you've got enough money, you can have. Mm -hmm. Uh, The pornography industry thrives on that. Uh, There's so many different places that you can have instant gratification. Mm -hmm. And it's the objectification of of someone else's body, someone someone else's sacred, God-imagined body Mm -hmm. that I seek self-gratification. Right. And that's not according to the way of God or the way of Jesus. And <laughs> we we have to we have to wrestle with that. As soon as as soon as my attraction to someone else becomes self seeking and that what what pleasure can I get from looking or using someone else's body, that's not the way of God. No. And the Bible is very clear that we are whole people. Mm-hmm. And as some of the Adventists we've always said, you know, the physical, the mental, mm-hmm. the emotional, the spiritual. Um, you cannot take a part of a person. Yeah. And that's what pornography does. It takes body parts. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I mentioned that in in the talk, that this idea that you think you can spend the night with someone and get up the next morning, shake hands and say, that was a great experience. I think I really grew from it. (laughs) That's fantasy. And I shared with them, the the student that brought me the Superman comic book, you Mm -hmm. know, that Superman was dead and he was upset. And I said, I am too. Mm-hmm. Superman is not dead because he's never alive. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. fantasy. Yeah. And some of this other we have bought into is fantasy. It's, and we find out too late mm-hmm. that it's not real. Yeah. So how do we as, you know, young people or old people alike, because, yes. you know, everyone struggles with this. You know, we live in a world where, you know, you said mm-hmm. everything is in instant, even uh-huh. on social media or in front of you. You know, you could you battle with, you know, these things, you know, how do we go about practically um, trying to turn our our minds from our own selfish desires, you know? How do we, you know, go from seeing a woman as an object, you know, whether it's over the phone or in church or wherever, to seeing them as a human being, or how do we turn that gratification away from ourselves? That's an important question. Yeah. It really is because it becomes a personal one. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this chapter is dealing with, is that uh, he sort of lays it in our laps and lets us know that God, when you live your life uh, to be pleasing to God, there's a blessing that you receive from that. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me tell you, there are some people that may not get dates. 
because they don't go to some of the places people go to. Mm -hmm. It's not that there isn't a price to pay, but in the long run, uh, there are benefits of living for Jesus. And it says that we live as if we know God. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes all the difference. Daily, we are feeding on the Word. Yeah. And that's where we're learning what you're like and I'm like and, and what God's like. Yeah. And if I'm not doing that, it's very easy for people just to become a commodity. Yeah. And sex to become, instead of recreation, recreation. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, when it becomes that, then we have forgotten and lost the meaning of why God created us the way he did. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus tells the parable of a someone who has... Um, a demon cast out of them and this person goes around and, and cleans up, you know, the yeah, analogy yeah, of the, yeah. the soul, the person's cleaning up their soul and gets everything in order and the demon comes back and realizes that, the, that there's still room in the person huh. to, to be inhabited and he goes and invites seven other of his friends and, um, and possesses the person again and Jesus makes the point of if you, you can remove stuff from your life Mm -hmm. But if you don't put something else in place of it, right. then that can come back in an mm -hmm. even more negative way. And so I think to to speak practically to your question, I think it's important that we take an inventory of how much media we consume. And to, to you know, just, and it's simply sometimes taking an inventory can help us realize, um, oh, there might need to be a change here. And, and not just, oh, I need to put my phone down. It's what do I need to pick up? Good point. And I, I like how you pointed out, Dr. Kilroy, you pick up scripture, yes. you know, and Paul will say in the letter to the, the Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right. the mind of self-service and placing yourself below somebody else in service to someone else. And I think as we read scripture and understand the mind of Christ, there's a process that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit that our mind is transformed. Yes. And it's not overnight. But mm -hmm. it, it it's it's a journey. It's it's a walk. And as we pour in more scripture, more time uh, in the word, more time praying and communing and being with God, then I think that places us in a better advantage to fend off the, the temptations that come and to put away the, the addictions that have gone behind. You know, um, this book is moving into an interesting section. Mm -hmm. At the first three chapters, he's sort of explaining how we got here. You know, the gospel came and and I came, and, and then I had to leave. You know, he, he goes through all of that. But then he begins in chapter 4, therefore. Mm -hmm. And it's like, let, let's just make some things. And you begin to see some things that are wearing on the hearts of the people of Thessalonica. And one is this view of intimacy, yeah. because it's not what they saw in their culture. Yeah. And, and, Pastor, you're getting ready to preach. It's all coming up. What happens when somebody I love dies? Yeah. Um, you know, and again, their culture, death was just this dark abyss. Yeah. It's all over. And so you got what we call the state of the dead. But in chapter five, the first uh, seven, eight verses is the state of the living. And there's people who are living that are dead. And there's mm. people that are dead. Yeah. We, we worry about the wrong dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, the dead in Christ will live again. But in, yeah. I don't think it's a mistake that he puts the state of the dead and the state of the living side by side. Yeah. And and it really, if you want to really cause some trouble, and it's coming up, Michael, <laughs> Pastor, is uh, when chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, uh, because now it's talking about church offices. Yeah. 
and and who are leaders in the church? Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is a hot topic. <laughs> you know, so this this moves from being a, a theological reason for why things the way they are mm-hmm. now to let's talk. Yeah, there's some things on the table, and and let's not forget that Timothy has been there. Mm-hmm. These are some things he saw. He came back and told Paul, yeah, yeah. and that's why Paul writes to them. Mm-hmm. These are issues that. Timothy saw happening in this church. Yeah. And I often wonder, what if Timothy visited us today? Yeah. And went back and told Paul, wonder what he'd write to us. Yeah. What are the things that uh, are causing pain to the body of Christ? Yeah. I don't know. I was talking with uh, Jonathan, one of our creative directors, the other week of what would our, our letter when when Paul writes Paul Savannah and yes, Timothy yes, 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 to the yes. church of Elevate in Keene, the yes, church of God yes. in Keene, what he might say. Yes. I don't know. Wrestling with that. <laughs> well, I think that he would write about wholeness. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. There's so much brokenness, and he would write about wholeness, I think. Yeah. And that's what I like. Um, I never like to talk about this topic uh, without offering hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mentioned that, that... Uh, that a person can say no after they've said yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they've said yes to something they knew they shouldn't. Well, I've already blown it, so there's nothing I can do about it. But the good news is, is that God can make you whole again. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. you can say no after you've said yes. And and that's what he's dealing with here. And that's why I went to Hosea 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What a powerful, powerful mm-hmm. picture. You know, God to ask Hosea to do that, to marry this woman, and then to have these children yeah. and to name them disaster. Oops, that, that, that's, that's the girl, she, not of love. Yeah. And then the third is, that's not mine. Yeah, this is my son. He's not mine. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But in chapter two of Hosea, the last part of chapter two, God tells Hosea to woo those children back mm-hmm. before he ever has him step into that tent and buy his wife back. Mm. It's one of the most dramatic pictures, I think, yeah. of all. Can you imagine yeah. that woman's for sale on the auction block? Everybody knows who she is. Yeah. It's a small town like Keene. Mm-hmm. And it's the prophet's wife. And yeah. they all know what she's done. And here she's being sold. And I can imagine in the midst of all of that, that it got quiet in the town. Somebody said, Hosea just walked in. Yeah. Can you see him standing mm-hmm. in the back of the, and, and they're sort of looking at her and looking at him and bidding starts and he raises his hand yeah, and he buys her back. Isn't that incredible? Mm-hmm. And I love what it says in the last part of that, that verse three, that uh, you'll not be a, an adulteress mm. and I will be faithful to you. Here is the, the faithful God pledging yeah. his faithfulness to us. <laughs> yeah. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that when we do talk about these things, Pastor, and um, we we need to always let people know there is hope. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of where God has taken you. Married Magdalene seven times, you know, he yeah. had to cast out the demons. And so we just need to let people know there's hope in Christ. Amen. Yeah. You can be whole again. Yeah. Yeah. I think often when we hear sermons like this and we think of all the rules and everything that we have to live up to, we feel as if the standard is so high where it's like, you know, why should I even try? Because I I can't. 
um, I can't reach up to that. But like you said, this, the beautifulness of Jose and Gomer is the fact that God loves us so much and his grace is so abundant that yes. we have this hope that with him, with the Holy Spirit, we can become whole and we can um, reach up to these expectations that he wants from us, Amen. you know, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's a it's a journey. It's a walk mm -hmm. that he wants to have with us. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the conversation has to center around, you know, often sexuality is picked on because yeah. i think it's the one it's pervasive in our society and it's sometimes the easiest to kind of point a finger yeah. towards but god wants to redeem all of us he does our whole beings and that includes our sexuality but it's so much more than that mm -hmm. and I, I i in our in our conversations about about sex and how people relate to one another in an intimate way often christianity will say sex is bad until you get married yes mm -hmm. yeah but I, I wrestle with that because then it paints a, a negative picture and it's it almost it's almost something that's like, oh, it's taboo and it's almost more attractive because it's taboo. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of painting in, into a light of saying, there's a God in heaven who created you for intimacy with someone else. Right. And he longs for you to share that with him and with that other person. And when you find complete and utter fulfillment in God, then you can love someone else better. And you mm -hmm. can be, even have more intimate, like you think, Sex before marriage is great. Can I tell you about what it's like when you have two people committed to Jesus, walking in the way of God right. and being intimate with God and being intimate with each other and the power that that brings. Yes. And I think if we painted that picture of, of sexuality and uh, of sex in general, that it would, do, it would do a lot of good and it would help us to unpack some of the shame that's inside of, of how we act. And it would make us to say, ah, wow, I really, I, I need to wait. I need to hold off. I want to make sure that I, I'm, I'm ready for the person that I'm going to be spending the rest of my life with mm -hmm. instead of selling myself cheap and someone else cheap along the way. tell my ethics students that there's a book in the library and you can take a brown paper bag up there if you want to and you can check it out it's by Charles Wichaby it's entitled God Invented Sex mm -hmm. and Wichaby was a Seventh-day Adventist he was an older man when he wrote the book he probably had to be mm -hmm. you know and uh, the book is very straightforward but he he works on dealing with a theology of sexuality mm -hmm. that affects us because we are sexual people from the moment we're born yeah we are, and how we treat each other, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's not, don't do that, don't do that, now you get married, have at it, you know. <laughs> and I've had people tell me that that's a disappointment yeah. because they made it to be something it wasn't. Yeah. You know, God intended for us to have these intimate relationships with people, and you even have them now yeah. with individuals that are not your husband and not your wife, but you know boundaries. Yeah. But their friendship means so much to you. Yeah. And you have to be careful, especially when you, you're married and you love someone. They're always paramount. Mm -hmm. They're yeah. always first place. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you don't have friends. Yeah. Uh, that you, you need to have those. Yeah. Part of who we are. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> what did you all think if, if you've had a chance 
what was the thing that came through to you? What was, the, when you leave the sanctuary, somebody said, uh, what was the sermon about today? I think for me, it's something that I had a conversation with someone else afterwards. It was the the bridge where you talked about cohabitation. And, you know, you you explain that, you know, in um, religious circles is something, you know, that we always talk about. But the... Um, what was American it? Pediatric yes, Journey. your Journey. source. And it talked about so many um, negative effects for everyone involved, the child, the mother, the father, that, you know, cohabitation has. And, you know, this also goes into, you know, sex before marriage and just all these things. And it shows that, you know, the Bible says something which is so prevalent which is so profound, but it actually has such a backing where even in other circles that take yeah. God out of the situation, it shows that, you know what, God's way is the best way. And, that's something. and, you know, like you said before, you know, because, you know, there's such a shame around sex, you know, we view it as, you know, what it's something that I need to have. But if we look at it through the lens that, you know, the Bible paints it out to be, and if we look at it in a way where it's, you know, we need to talk about it more. It takes away, you know, all the shame and the secrecy and the the rush to go and have it. You know, God created it for us and he wants us to have it in this relationship. And right. you can compare that to cohabitation. You know what I mean? And if mm -hmm. we do things the way that God wants and the completeness and the wholeness, and if we have him involved into it, then it's going to, it's going to be such a beautiful thing, yep. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who do you trust? Uh, our culture. I, I mean, I'm amazed. I, I look on my phone. I can't keep up with the people who are engaged and <laughs> going to get married <laughs> together, then broken up. And now they're yeah. already with other people, <laughs> getting in, famous people. You know, yeah. it, it's just that's the image that people, they yeah. have money. They must be happy. Yeah. And they're fl And by the way, these are not teenagers. Mm -hmm. Many of them are adults yeah. still flittering like butterflies and never finding that intimacy. Yeah. I used to tell my students that many of you sitting in this classroom will have more of a loving, fulfilled life than some of the people you can mention in Hollywood. Yeah. You're going to have that because you're going to experience what God intended you to have with a person. Yeah. And other folks are still searching for it and yeah. not finding it. Yeah. Wow. It's sad. It yeah. really is. Yeah. I think the, the main thing that I took away from it kind of along those lines is the the idea that no matter what we've done in the past, that we've maybe said yes to something or we've yeah. said no to something, that we can come before God and say yes to him. And to Amen. even if we've slipped yeah. up in the past, mm -hmm. that we can come before God and he forgives, he accepts us, and then he walks with us. Yes. Amen. I love it. That's what the book's all about, I think. Mm -hmm. That first century Adventist group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate Retake. Super glad you're here. And I really enjoyed this conversation to, to pick apart what it looks like for us to walk holy, what it looks like for us to walk, walk well with Jesus. I think there's high calling that's placed on our lives. And we don't do it under our own power or uh, under our own strength, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way that we walk and the way that we treat others, our view of each other's bodies, our sexualities and, uh, and our souls, that has bearing on our lives. It has bearing on how we understand the gospel. And as we look closer at Jesus, 
we have a greater appreciation for one another. You can leave us a voice message at the link in the description or contact us on our Instagram page. We'll catch you next time on Elevate Retake.